Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This is the Kellen Winslow performance That was a heck of a game. This is the Jordan Flu game. My flu game, absolutely. Yep. You are a trooper, Dave. Did Harrigan. you put up the 38, 37, 38 points Jordan did? Oh, I'm unbelievable. Willis Reed, that's just, who you are. I'm just going to walk away shrugging like Portland, like Jordan against the Blazers. Just shrugging. Just shrug. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Six straight updates, no voice. Ding, ding. Runner goes and the pitch hit to center. Heading back is Angle. Still going back. He's at the wall. It's gone. It's gone. A three run home run for Escobar to straight away center field. Mighty Mouse did it again. And the Twins take a 4-2 lead. That's the left center field. Get down. And that will die for a base hit. Escobar delivers again. And now hustling for second base. He's got another double. A little flare in the left center field. Grossman scores. It's 4-2. Eduardo Escobar. They lost the nightcap last night. But he had, what was it, three doubles in the nightcap? He had the three-run bomb. Leads the league now. In doubles, He, he yes. leads the league in doubles. I think it's safe to say the Twins won the Francisco Liriano trade. This is just the, the dump Liriano trade before the non-waiver deadline from a few years ago. Eduardo Escobar, the last two seasons now, if you combine, uh, it, he's played a, 181 games combined the last two years, which is 20 more games than a full season. But uh, if you take his 162-game average the last two seasons, all right, mm-hmm. 28 home runs. 94 runs driven in, 82 runs scored, and he's batting just under 260 with an OPS just below 800, and he can play almost any position on the field, including outfield, if you need him to. And he kills the White Sox, too. His yes. old club. He absolutely annihilates the, the Sox. So, no, that Man. was that was a uh, nice game. And he is... He, here's So here's my question for you. When Joe Maurer eventually comes back here, how do you rotate, guys? Because I'm not moving Sano back to third base full time. I mean, I'll, I'll play him, but I'm not going. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to play Escobar consistently. He he's done nothing to lose the job at third base. Yeah. So when Joe comes back, assuming he does, what's the rotation well, between DH, first base, and third base? I think you. So you have. All right, let's let's do the math here. You got four guys for three positions. I think you just wrote, I think you just Joe Maurer does not have to be an everyday player. First of all, his body can't handle being an everyday player. And uh and really he's he's hitting for some average, but not five years ago average. He's getting on base at a high clip, but it's he's not hitting for he's not an everyday player. He's like a four days a week player now going forward, right? Yep. So I think you can and Logan Morrison, you can definitely sit him against some pitchers, right? Some lefties. So could he is hitting two oh four, yes. Against tough lefties. 
you could sit either Maurer or Logan Morrison, have Miguel Sano play first base, Eduardo Escobar play third base, or he could play, once Polanco comes back, then Polanco's your shortstop, but... I, right now, I'm not taking Escobar's bat, period. Oh, like he, no. He's an everyday player, period. Yes. And then if you're going to rank the other three guys for the other two positions, I want Miguel Sano to play as often as possible because I need to see it, right? Are, do, would you agree? Like, yeah, yes, yes, I do. It. I do, but it's not pretty. No, again, but, again, yesterday, now, now he, he did get the uh, the sharp single to left. Uh, in in one one of the two games on uh, on Tuesday, but my God, some of those at bats, he's completely lost now. Yes, some, some of those at bats, he has no idea. Uh, he, yeah, it, but you still have to see it. No, I'm I know it's just it's just hard to watch sometimes. So I think you just sort of rotate as much as you can. Sano, Logan Morrison, Joe Maurer between DH and first base, and then once you know for now you can move Escobar to shortstop. Sometimes he's not a great defensive shortstop, but you can play him there yeah. on the days where you want Miguel Sano to play some third base. But um, this brings up Eduardo Escobar has to be the most underappreciated Twins player of the past few years. Because mm-hmm. we talk so much about all the top prospects and the Brian Dozers and Eduardo Escobar up until very recently has become kind of an afterthought. Even on the current team, he's not even the most appreciated Ed on the roster, right? Eddie Rosario is more appreciated than, than uh, Eduardo Escobar. Absolutely. And people rave about Eddie Escobar in the clubhouse as a leader. Who are the most underappreciated athletes on the other teams in town. If we agree that Eduardo Escobar is the most underappreciated twin, mm-hmm, which we definitely do, uh, Vikings, Wolves. Well, I have a Lynx underappreciated. I didn't pick a Lynx. Of course, I pick, of course I pick, you did. I picked the Vikings, Wild and Wolves. Of you, you wouldn't have invited them to the White House either. That's not true. That's very. That's not. not Dave, true would Judd have that's invited a, the Lynx to the Dave White House? Talk. Don't make Don't make poor Dave talk. If Judd were president, he would have invited them. He just would have not been there. That's true. He was, yeah, you can come have a great time. I just got a thing. He would have had a thing. I got a hockey game. Yeah, it's a I mean, men's hockey game. Yeah. I don't think if okay, I, yeah. if I was president of this country, I got to be honest. There's not a, a lot of teams I would be dying to meet. I might I might invite them all and never show myself. NBA, NHL, NFL, baseball. I might not just not be, be there. I might invite them. I might say, you know what, Houston Astros, you show up. You'd be there for the NHL because they'd bring the cup. You know what I'd say? I'm not going to be at the White House, but meet me down the street at the bar yeah, okay. and bring the cup to the bar, and I'll meet you there. Because you're right. I would want to see the cup. 7.5% right. alcohol Okay, so back to, the, back to the subject at hand. The most <laughs> underappreciated. I will start, Phil. I will start with the Timberwolves, and I will give you a guy who plays a lot. But I, I think if you take into account expectations, if you take into account he's 32 and if you take into account, he played 33.3 minutes per game this past year. Taj Gibson is my Wolves player. Okay, I think Taj Gibson right. for I think Taj Gibson for what was expected from him and what he gives you is a guy who it's very easy to say, oh yeah, he's playing, but he averaged 12.2 points. He gives you a lot, and and he was he was one of four guys on that team who played 30 plus minutes per game. That's a lot. So I'll start with Taj Gibson. Okay, uh, I would say. I would say uh, Tyus Jones is my underappreciated. I don't disagree with Taj Gibson. That's a good one. But I would. I mean, there's only so many to choose from. They only play like seven guys. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. and Tyus Jones Tyus. stopped playing toward the end of the year when Derrick Rose came into the fold. But I looked this up before the show here. Per 100 possessions, the Timberwolves were six points better with Tyus Jones on the court, and he plays a lot of minutes with backups. So if you take all of his minutes last year, per 100 possessions, the Wolves were six points better. 
per 100 with him on the court versus off the court. And I, and it's not that he's a dynamic scorer. He's just kind of an average three-point shooter. He's got to get better in a lot of ways. But yeah. his presence out there, and and he's and he's for his size, he's actually decent defensively. Mm-hmm. And he's able to just sort of stir that drink around and, uh, and make sure that everyone gets the ball, the ball gets moving. And he doesn't need the ball to be effective. He, he gives he's other no people Rose, the ball. Though, Phil. God. He's no Derrick Rose. We're going to so, get into some Wolves so reckless speculation here So we can all understand why soon, Derrick Rose was signed here, and I'm sure he's coming back. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you my links one since you didn't put any thought into women's this basketball. Is awful. That's fine. I did, okay. I didn't you. know we were doing the links. Okay. Oh, I didn't know we were I doing the team we that has four <laughs> championships we in the last the seven years. There's no excuse, Judd. I'm sorry. <laughs> there really isn't. I didn't know we were going to think about the only relevant team in the Twin Cities the last ten years. Okay, why don't you go ahead? One of the best defenders in the WNBA, a four-time All-Star. She's been on either the WNBA's first or second all-defensive team like seven times. Double-doubles on a regular basis. Rebecca Brunson. When you think of Lynx, you think Lindsey Whalen, you think Maya Moore, you think uh, you think Sylvia uh, Fowles, yeah, Sylvia Fowles yeah. uh, Simone Augustus, maybe even a couple other players throughout his... But, Rebecca Bronson is that presence, that force, one of the best defenders in the WNBA. She's like 36 now, so but still putting up productive numbers. All right. I didn't do a Lynx player, so uh, let's move on to the Vikings. How uncomfortable can Judd make Lynx conversation? I'm not making no that I'm not making it uncomfortable at, at all. I just didn't do one. I was just being candid about it. All right, it. let's move on to uh Let's move on to the Vikings. All right, the Vikings, go ahead. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to Underappreciated Athletes. The Eduardo Escobar yes. award here. Now, now this is a a slight homer pick on my part probably, but I've had this guy. I used to have this guy cut on a yearly basis. If he makes the team this year, it's going to be his eighth season on the active roster, Marcus Sherrills. He has now become the franchise's all-time leader in punt return yardage and punt return touchdowns with five. He spent time in 2017 returning kickoffs and punts. He has previously, and I'm not saying he's good, but previously in a pinch when, when they've been depleted in the defensive backfield has played corner at times. Marcus Sherrill's to me is because there was probably a five-year period where at the start of every one of those years, I'd say there is no way he makes it, and he did. So Marcus Sherrills, who does an underappreciated job as well, is my guy. All right. I would say, even though he's only been here for a little while, I I think it's the position and the player that are both underappreciated. Pat Elfline, for me, the Vikings have had a lot of different changes the past couple years, offensive line. And he looks like he's going to be, if he, if he stays healthy for the whole time, a 7-10 to 10 year starter at that position. But I just think in general, when you start to rank most important positions in the NFL, and obviously quarterback is number one, and then people are going to say uh, a shutdown cornerback or a pass rusher on defense or a, or a left or a right tackle, I almost think people would rank center second or third along the offensive line. But I, but I put it, I, I might even put starting center number one over left tackle Ooh. in today's NFL, just in terms of what Ooh. you have, what you have to identify defensively, communication. Um, you have to be nimble. You have to be quick. You have to be able to to pull. I would say the the, the center position in itself is underappreciated in the NFL in today's NFL, where right. where checks at the line of scrimmage are more prominent, and uh, and you just have to be a, a certain type of leader and a communicator at that position. It's not you can't just go draft a guy who's big and athletic like you can at guard. Or tackle. It's got to be athletic and big, and kind of like a quarterback. You got to be very smart. You got to yeah. be able to communicate That's properly true. and identify things. So Pat Elfline for me. All right. Uh, what about the Wild? 
Oh, Underappreciated wild. wild. The wild. Now, this one's going to seem a bit odd because of, of the fact that, that this guy is actually very good. Oh, we actually have but a, he's, a highlight clip. But, but this guy is underappreciated in more ways than one. Oh, this isn't what I thought it was, but okay. That's okay. It's still... Walks the line, gives it back to Koivu. Niederreiter a deflection, Spurgeon backs it out of the air and scores! What a play by Spurgeon! I thought, at first I thought that was I the, would, air, condi- so the air conditioning air conditioning again, but it's not, it's not on the internet. Oh, I was going to say he's underappreciated. <laughs> you can find Suter, you can even find Cal Clutterbuck for Tempstar, but you can't what? find the Spurgeon one yet. Where's Spurgeon There's even a behind-the-scenes photo, but we need a commercial. Let's go. After a tough day at the rink, I like to get home to my house and my wife and kid, and we all enjoy Tempstar. But Jared Spurgeon is my guy, and here's why. Jared Spurgeon is is appreciated, I think, in this town. But as far as outside this town and as far as hockey fans go, I think if you asked, all right, name name four or five players on this team, they'd come up with, well, let's see here. They'd come up with Parisi. Over to Coyle. They'd come up, they'd come up with Suter. They'd come up with really? Koivu. I think they would leave Spurgeon off that list. And Jared Spurgeon, nine goals. 37 points, uh, 61 games last year. Just as importantly, he averaged 24 point, uh, twenty-four minutes per game. 14th in the National Hockey League. Okay, Jared Spurgeon is a definite an underappreciated player. And if you look at his size, if you stand by him, you're like, there is no way, if this guy plays, there's no way he's that good. Jared Spurgeon is underappreciated, I think, around the rest of this league. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you... A similar one here. I still think Matt Dumba is underappreciated on this roster. And I'm going to go hockey sabermetrics, okay? Point shares, which is sort of like wins above replacement in other sports. Point shares. How much credit do you deserve? Now, goalies get a lot of credit because they're just out there for entire games and uh, and they're playing, you know, 60 to 70 games a year. So Devin Dubnik is number one on the roster in point shares, and that's mostly just a product of the position you play. Most goalies are going to be number one on their team. Eric Stahl is number two from last year. Uh, He was worth 10 point shares. Matt Dumba was third, well ahead of Jason Zucker, well ahead of Ryan Suter, Granlin, Brodeen. Spurgeon is, uh, is next on the list there, but... Matt Dumba was worth the third, and if you just if you eliminate goalies, he was the second most valuable yeah. player on the team That's according to Hockey Saber Metrics. So, um, I mean, he is definitely not under the radar anymore, but I still think he's sort of underappreciated because, as we've talked about on the show, people make fun of him and poke at him for the turnovers. The perception, and those can be bad too. The perception is wrong. It's, it's the perception skewed, yeah. is he just screws up, and and he does screw up, but but he's absolutely a guy that that is that gives you. A really important factor, and if you trade him, he's the type of guy who's who. In five years, you're going to look and say that was a really, really stupid move to trade him. Yes, he is too. Uh, he's 22nd in the NHL in defensive point shares mm-hmm. the past couple of years too, and then took a big step up uh, offensively. So yeah, he's just he has become one of the more valuable players in the NHL. Look at that under the Eduardo Escobar the Award, the Eddies. That's what we can call him. Uh, we're going to talk to Tom Chorsky about the Stanley Cup Finals. We can talk some wild offseason stuff with him, too, in about an hour from now. Dan Hayes on Twins at 11.30, and our friend Courtney Cronin from ESPN.com. She is a Vikings reporter that does a lot of stuff on the Purple Podcast for us. She'll join us at 12.15. I've got some Wolves reckless speculation for you. I always love reckless speculation. You know that. Uh, let's dive into some Wolves reckless speculation when we come back to the TCL Broadcast Studios. 
The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. Hang on a second. On 1500 ESPN. Attention! Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. So I got to the bench. I was... First thing that came to my mind, I was like, okay, I was calling timeout. But hopefully, I'm glad maybe if we didn't have any, I'm glad they didn't give it to me. I didn't want another C-Web incident, you know, um, um, you know that, that happened. And then they go to the, make their free throws and the game is over. Um, so I asked our coaching staff um, if we had a timeout. And they, uh, they told me yes. And um, I guess y'all probably seen the reaction from that point on. That was LeBron reacting to his reaction from that video that I think a lot of people have seen now, that four-minute video of them between fourth quarter and overtime of game one. I don't buy that he didn't know how, how many t- timeouts they had left. I don't buy he that went for to, one. He actually He's went too to, smart. He went to signal one, apparently. I, did, I missed this, but at the end of the oh, fourth I, quarter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's has he has a photographic memory yeah. of everything that happens in a quarter, and he's rolled that off a couple times during. So he knew. My impression was, hey, I just scored fifty one, eight and eight. I just dragged you guys to the finals, and I want. I just want you to be able to know the score, and you, Ty Lue, to know that we have timeouts. Yeah. So like I, it, it was his way of almost making Ty Lue admit that yeah, I screwed up. He's saying I won that game. Yeah, and you idiots lost it. That's fair. Yes. He's right. All right. Uh, yeah. Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. By the way, uh, game three from Cleveland is tonight on 1500 ESPN. Tonight, game three from Cleveland, NBA Finals. And they're doing they're doing two days off between every game of the finals. Yeah, I so they really just, wish they it was just slow one. cook it. Yeah. I think they do that just to make sure that travel and rest aren't issues. They just want each team to be fully charged, but it definitely drags on a lot longer than... I'd like one, or actually, if you take two off between tra- for travel days, that's okay, but then once you're in Cleveland now, it should be one day. Yeah. Um, how do you want to do this here? This is from the athletic.com slash Timberwolves. Britt Robson has Set a list. Set this up, and then I'll give you the names. You'll throw the names out? Okay. Yes, sir. So uh, so Britt Robson has, has jumped into the reckless speculation pool here. He has six realistic free agent targets for the Timberwolves once free agency opens here in a, in about a month from now. I think actually it's a little less than a month when you can start talking with and, and negotiating July teams 1st. with players. Yeah, it's July 1st. and then it's like a ten day period where you yeah. can't actually sign, Which is, yes. where Mark Cuban can drive around cities in Texas looking for DeAndre Jordan, which is what happened a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Wolves have an eight million dollar mid level exception, and then. They've got exceptions because they're over the cap for like minimum wage, quote unquote, veteran players. If they want to, if they want to bring in an old guy for a million dollars, they could do that too. But they don't have a whole lot of money to spend, so they're definitely not going to be in on the best free agents. But this is a list of six realistic free agent targets that could fit underneath that eight million dollar mid level exception. All wing players. Yep, all wing so players. It's be all wing players. All wing players because we're looking to add wings. Tom Thibodeau's looking to add wings. They need defense. They hungry. need shooting. Ideally, if you could get both defense and shooting with the same wing player, that would be awesome. Okay. All right. Number six on this list. Wayne Ellington, most recently of the Heat. Nine years. His opening day age uh, for 2018-19 will be 30 years old. Wayne Ellington is the first one to react. So he has become an incredible three-point shooter. And you know what? He was in college. He was actually a really good three-point shooter when he played for the Wolves 
what now, eight years ago? 30 years old for this upcoming season. 2009 draft, correct. Defense is very optional with Wayne Ellington. But the good news here is he's probably not. This isn't the same salary cap climate that we saw two years ago where every team all of a sudden had 15 to $20 million or more in salary. Even the teams that were cap strapped had 15 to $20 million extra. Cause, uh, cause there was just, there was a windfall of new TV it, money coming in. All came in at, at one time. Yes. It's a lot tighter now. There's not nearly as many teams with a bunch of cap room. So Wayne Ellington, two years ago, somebody might've said, Oh man, you're one of the best three point shooters in the league. You're going to come off our bench. We're going to pay you $15 million. That's not going to be the case anymore. So if you're just looking for three-point shooting and a guy who's probably okay coming off the bench, uh, he averaged almost eight three-point attempts per game off the bench in 25 minutes per game. He was just, they put him in in Miami and said, just shoot every time you have That's what they an need, open though. look from three. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I would say very, very interested as long as you're okay with him playing almost no defense in 20 to 25 minutes. The other question would be if he's looking for like 20 to 25 minutes off the bench, mm-hmm. is Tom Thibodeau going to be willing to put him in for that long? He'll tell him he will be. That's the thing. Like, Absolutely I will. Because right now... I'm not going to play as much now. Every starter, even though the starters got hurt, like Jimmy Butler missed a third of the season or whatever, every starter played 30-plus minutes. Yeah. And a few of them played 35 to 38 minutes. And Wayne will probably call Jamal at some point and say, what what happens there? And Jamal will say nothing good for the most yeah. part for a bench player. And money will talk to some degree if you if you pay a guy more than some of the other teams. But it's not like the Wolves are in a position to overpay some of these free agents. So I would be I would be very much interested in Wayne Ellington's ability to knock down threes. Yes. Number five on Britt's list, Tyreek Evans, nine years in the league, opening day age of 29, most recently of the Memphis Grizzlies. So before I answer this, I'm, I wouldn't have been interested three or four years ago. He's, he's a lot more compelling now because he can shoot threes. He was also, there was a lot of rumors going into the 2009 NBA draft, if you remember, when the Wolves, when the Wolves decided that Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn would be better on their team than Steph Curry, who went seventh. Yeah, stuff happens like that. Tyreek Evans went to Sacramento at four in that draft. The, the 2009 draft went Blake Griffin, Hashim Thabit, bust. James Harden, third. Tyreek Evans, fourth. Rubio, Flynn, and then Steph Curry to the Golden State Warriors at seven. And DeMar teams... DeRozan went ninth in that draft How did to Toronto. How did miss that, Ben? I think people just thought, well, people obviously thought Steph Curry was just going to be a kind of a sixth or seventh guy coming off the bench, shoot some threes. But yeah. Yeah, he could shoot some threes. So, so Tyreek Evans was supposed to be, and, and he played, uh, he played almost 40 minutes a game his first couple of years in Sacramento. And he was a, he was a 25 and five guy for a couple of years, uh, kind of a volume score. He has become much more of a role player. Memphis last year, he's going to be 29, came off the bench for half the games. And the the biggest, most compelling thing about Tyreek Evans the last three years that would help the Timberwolves, he's gone from being a terrible three-point shooter, couldn't knock down a three to save his life early in his career, and he shot 40% from three last year. The year before that, it was like 37%, mm-hmm. and then uh, 36 39%. So he, the last four years, he's become a really good three-point shooter. The money is going to be interesting for a guy like that. I mean, and he might want to go in as a starter. He has made the last few. So he he made three point two million last year, but the the four years before that, it was ten, ten, eleven, and ten million dollars. Has he done enough to get like, you know, seven, eight, nine? 10? 
would he eat up your entire mid-level, mid-level exception, right. I guess, is, is the question And the answer is so. probably yes. So, I don't know. Tyreek Evans, he, he's also a 30-minute guy, and you already have Jeff Teague, Jimmy Butler, and Andrew Wiggins. <sighs> so, once again, a guy's going to be like, spot. what's my role? So if if we're it's one thing if you're talking a twenty to twenty five minute guy who comes off the bench and he's okay with that. If it's a Tyreek Evans and he wants to start but could negotiate if you give him thirty minutes and you already have three wing players that you play thirty five minutes a game. I don't know. That's it's going to be tough. That I, I don't know if I see that as a match. Had hip, knee, wrist, and and rib problems last year as well. So yeah, number four on the list. Will Barton, six years, opening day age, uh, 2018-19 of 27, most recently of the Denver Nuggets. Okay, so Will Barton is really, really intriguing. And and by the way, none of these three guys are going to be like lockdown Bruce Bowen defenders. You're not gonna you're not gonna be getting that with with these guys here. But he only made three and a half million dollars last year with Denver. So so the money, it's not. I, I don't think he's going to make a. I don't think anyone's going to come in and blow him away. However, he did turn down, according to reports, a $40 million four-year offer from Denver in order to gamble on himself in free agency, maybe as a starter. So, again, another guy. He went 16-5-4 last year. 16 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. 37% from downtown. So, multifaceted. He's the type of guy that would fit well if he was willing to come in here and sort of Maybe come off the bench, 25 minutes, but now, we're, again, we're talking minutes. so dicey. It's problematic. If he wants to start and play 30-plus minutes a game, and he already turned down, let's say, $10 million a year to gamble on himself, it's a complete non-fit. You can't even... If someone's going to give him $10 million a year, obviously uh, he has no interest in signing with the Timberwolves for maybe a lesser role and less money. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a team that gives him the $40 million over four years that he reportedly turned down. 27 years old, entering his prime, if not in it already. Super intriguing. Should we get to the other three when we come back oh, here? Yes. All right. Yes. Reckless Wolf speculation. Britt Robson from The Athletic. Six realistic free agent targets. Three more coming at you when we come back. Tom Chorsky in about 45 minutes on Wild and Stanley Cup playoffs. Judd's going to speak on behalf of Prime Mortgage Lending first up. Indeed, I am. And if you're considering your options, folks, when it comes to a mortgage company, as I've been talking to you about for months now, I want to recommend the folks at Prime and my friend Kent McCullough. And that's because, as Kent has told us before, this isn't about simply selling you on something. This is about a very important thing. It's about teamwork and collaboration. Prime wants to earn your trust, folks. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you alone. And you say, okay, that sounds great, Jed, but what what exactly does that mean? That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to really do is sit down with you, meet with you first, explain their plan, and then the decision is up to you. And as I said, it's because this is about teamwork and collaboration. It's what Prime is all about. It's what Kent's about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance... Prime wants to take some of that mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can actually pay your closing cost? Not just include them in your loan, but pay them for, for you. The website to go to is goprimewithkent.com. Once again, that's goprimewithkent.com. Go Prime with Kent. K-E-N-T dot. Bill Mackey. Well, size isn't everything, I guess. Judd Zolgad. He's white. He's white as you folks. With empty eyes and a big hollow voice. He loved to travel around with a mean old house. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. We're looking to add wings. Reckless speculation. We're looking to add wings. 
How do you like my montage? Okay, that last one sounds sort of ill. That la- that wolf sounds. Yeah, like it's a little like that rocket series. Like the wolf got some bad wings. We're looking to add wings. Oh I got man, food poisoning. Uh, we're going over this list from theAthletic.com/slash/Timberwolves here. Britt Robson, six realistic free agent targets for the cash-strapped wolves. Well, ca- I should say cap-strapped wolves. They're not cash strapped. They're definitely spending not. a lot of money on that roster. Yep. With uh, we'll see what kind of return they get on it. But but Wayne, the first three were Wayne Ellington, one of the best three point shooters in the NBA, and the Wolves had him eight years ago, second round draft pick, or was he late first? Maybe late first round draft pick. Twenty eighth pick in the first round okay, of the two thousand nine so, draft. Yeah. Yep. Uh, not a lot of defense coming from Wayne Ellington, but he'll he'll bomb some threes for you. He set a bench record last year with just total three point makes off the bench. Tyreek Evans was a former top five overall pick, and, uh, and he's become kind of a reclamation guy. He's he's revamped his three point shooting in the last few years, but he's a thirty minute per game guy. These thirty minute guys are tough to find room for because Wiggins, Butler. And Teague are going to play guys minutes. Because the bench don't play that much, yes. Butler, Wiggins, and Teague combined to make, like, what's the math on that? Like, $70 million. They're going to play 30-plus minutes. So yes. It's tough to find wing minutes. And any of these guys who look at uh, at at Jamal Crawford's use are going to say, is, is it going to change? Because Jamal Crawford was told, you're, you're going to play a lot more th- than he ultimately yeah. did. Now, the Wolves could say... So it's a legit question. And the Wolves could say, listen... We love Jamal, but Jamal wasn't quite the player that he just wasn't the fit. It didn't make sense to play him 25 minutes because he just didn't play any defense. Uh, and then Will Barton was uh, was the third one we got to before the commercial break. And he's that's a guy who's 27 years old. Now, he reportedly turned down $40 million over four years with Denver to bet on himself, wants to be a starter, wants to play 30-plus minutes. Again, I don't know if that fits. I, I don't know how you find, with Tom Thibodeau, 30 minutes off the bench for a guy who wants to play a bunch of minutes. So anyways, let's get to the top three on this list. Free agent targets, $8 million in mid-level exception money. So they got to be uh, crafty and strategic. Britt's number three on his list, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope. Five years of experience. He'll be 25 on opening night, most recently of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. So this is a really interesting one. Depending on what you think of the second guy on the list, which we'll get to here, KCP might be the best defensive wing. Not that, again, we're not talking about Bruce Bowen in their primes here, but this is a former top 10 overall pick, 25 years old. He shot a career high 38% from three point range last year. He signed a one year, $17 million contract with the Lakers after four years with the Pistons. Nice the deal. Lakers had a ton of cap room, yep. but they didn't want to strap themselves long-term, so they said, rather than signing you to like a three-year deal for $30 million or something, what if we just give you $17.7 million for one year? Pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah, it was a one-year yeah, one, one yep. deal on 17. uh, last July. So pretty unlikely he's going to make anywhere near that on a multi-year contract, but he'd probably eat up most of your $8 million mid-level exception. Very intriguing, especially if he can replicate. He wasn't a great three-point shooter until last year. Was last year a fluke? Can you replicate? If he can shoot 38% and play some defense and fit underneath the mid-level exception, uh, I'm all in. Here's the catch. Cantavius Caldwell-Pope has been in the NBA for five years. He has started basically every game the last four years. Durable, too. At least 74 games in each of the last four years. And he's still pretty young. 37 minutes, 33 minutes, 33 minutes. Is that dude going to come in here off the bench? 
because like he he's not going to start over Wiggins. He's yeah. not going. He should, but he's not, he's a better player than Wiggins. He just doesn't. He just he doesn't shoot eighteen times a game like Wiggins does. Love um, shot. Is he going to come in here? You're not going to find thirty three minutes for a guy off the bench. So like, would he be a perfect fit? Yes, but I don't. Let's. I don't know how it. I don't know how it works with the minutes. Let's stop for a second. And here's my question to you. If you're Tibbs and if you're this franchise, what's your sales pitch exactly right now? So as you talk to these guys and as they as they say to you, well, Jamal didn't play that, that much and I'm friends with, with Jamal and I talked to him about why and, and he was under the impression he would play more. What's the sales pitch here? I mean, the sales pitch, I guess, has to be you're going to for sure make the playoffs because they made the playoffs last year and you're going to be part of something we're building. I just... It's it, to your point. It's not a great sales pitch. It's not. And and here's the other. And we'll get to the other two names on this list in a second here. If you ask me right now, would you rather have and, and Kentavious Caldwell Pope is two years older than Andrew Wiggins, maybe two and a half, whatever, two a couple years older. Yeah, twenty five. Would I rather have Andrew Wiggins for the next five years at twenty five to thirty million dollars a year? Or would I rather have, let's say, Kentavious Caldwell Pope on a three-year deal, pl- let's say playing the same position? He's a little, he's like two inches shorter than Wiggins, but let's let's say just playing the same position for half the money, if not forty percent of the money. He's a better player. Maybe he doesn't have the upside that that Andrew Wiggins has, but this is a former top ten overall pick. Uh, this is a guy who plays better defense than Wiggins. He's a guy who shoots, at least last year, better from long range than Wiggins. And also understands that he shouldn't shoot 18 times a game, unlike Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. So as we sit here and I look at, is Cantavius Caldwell-Pope a superstar that you would build your team around? No. If you replaced Andrew Wiggins with Cantavius Caldwell-Pope and maybe opened up some other money, would that be a better roster? I think it would be. I think it would be. That might be your sales pitch. Things are going to be changing, Cantavius. <laughs> like, I think they should. Things are going to be changing. I guess to make it work, what I would do is I would say, all right, Wiggins, you're not going to play thirty. You're going to play. You're going to play twenty nine or thirty minutes until you can show more efficiency offensively. And and Jimmy, we're not going to ride you into the ground for forty minutes. You're going to scale back to like thirty three minutes or whatever per game. Yeah. And we're going to find. So Cantavius, you're going to come off the bench, but we're going to find you thirty minutes, and we're going to make it work for you. But I mean. I think he's a better player right now than it. now. Get back to me in three years. It has Wiggins fulfilled his upside in three years? Okay, then then Wiggins is a better player. We're getting a little late in that game, but uh, it's interesting. Number, right. number, number two, number two on the list is a guy that you talked about. I think last week, Avery Bradley, eight years experience, most recently of the Los Angeles Clippers, twenty seven on opening night of the coming season. Yeah, we've talked a lot about him. Uh, it's it's kind of a similar. It's he's he's been a starter for several years, he's mostly coming off not a very good year. So I I think yeah. I think you could get him. You could. You probably still have to give up most of, if not all, of your eight million dollar mid level exception here. That's, that's a, he made eight point two million with the Celtics two years ago, and eight point eight million with the Clippers last year. Um, has shown enough. Like he's he's been a good defender in years past. The defensive. Net rating isn't really kind to him the last few years, but that's a guy who can shoot threes. His reputation is three and D, but again, 30 minutes every year of his career, going back to his 21st birthday, the dude's played 30 minutes, 33, 33, 30 minutes. Is he going to take potentially fewer minutes, lesser role, and maybe even less money? 
I have a feeling that someone's going to make this decision for you by just signing him for seven, eight, nine million dollars a year on a multi-year contract and, and make him a starter. So, as much as I think Avery Bradley would be a really interesting fit at age twenty-seven on this team, I just don't know how it works. And number one on uh, Britt's list, Joe Harris. Four years experience, 27 on opening night, most recently played for the Brooklyn Nets. Britt yes. Brit flat out says that it's a gamble. He's unproven, but it could be interesting. He, it is a gamble. That's a former second-round pick. And you always have to be a little careful when a guy goes to a crappy team and just like that has no interest in winning and puts up a bunch of numbers. He, he shot 42% from downtown. And you and you probably get more open looks with the Timberwolves just because you wouldn't be a focal point. So you'd, you'd be standing in the corner and you'd have wide open looks. So I don't doubt that he'd you know, he'd, he'd be a good three point shooter with the Timberwolves. Uh, he'd be fine coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. Doesn't need to hog the ball. So there's a lot of positives here. And he only made one point five million dollars last year. So you might even be able to get a Joe Harris who's 26 years old. You might be able to get him for far less than the eight million dollar mid level exception and go sign somebody else. So I think there's a lot of benefits, but as Britt points out in the article, the risk is that he just put up numbers on a bad team and he would come in here and just be just be kind of a disaster. But no matter what, if you can shoot threes at a 40% clip, you're going to help this roster. Yeah, they this, absolutely need that. At the very least, you come in, you play 15 minutes, and you shoot threes, and you add a component that this, that this team really has rarely had in the three-decade history. So Joe Harris, Avery Bradley... Uh, KCP, Will Barton, Tyreek Evans, Wayne Ellington. That felt good. That felt real good. Ruckless speculation. If I could order, if I could rank those guys based on how appealing they would be just as players, I think I would rank, people might disagree with me on this, I think I would rank Kentavious Caldwell-Pope number one, Avery Bradley number two, if Tyreek Evans was a little younger, he's 29, I, but I'm going to put him, th- probably him three, and then Joe Harris, Wayne Ellington, and Will, I don't know, Will Barton's a good player. Will ba- I'd probably put Will Barton second on so that jo- list. Joe Harris is probably the, the most gettable of that group, correct? Yes. I mean, the rest of, Joe Harris actually might say, I'll I'll do what you want. I think the other four names or five names that we went through probably would, would have parameters of, I need to yeah. play, I need to play X amount and or start, which is not going to happen. If, if the fit, if, if it wasn't like square peg round hole, I guess I would go number one, Contavious Caldwell Pope, probably number two, Will Barton, excuse me, Avery Bradley three, Tyreek Evans slash Joe Harris four, and Wayne Ellington I mean, he would just he would come in and he would shoot threes. So he's definitely which intrigues me. Yeah, all of these you. guys, all of these guys would offer layers and components that they need and that they des- desperately crave. If you could get a guy in here who could come off the bench and shoot threes, I think we should all be extremely pleased by that. Yes. Now maybe like here's the benefit of a Joe Harris, and I, I'll tell you what the benefit is when we come back, and uh, we can continue on this reckless speculation path. Six five one six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. If you have thoughts, every I'm watching these NBA Finals games, thinking I can't wait. Just let's get let's get this series over with. If it's going to be a quick series, if the Cavs win tonight, then I'm all in invested again because it might go six or seven games. But then you get in three weeks, NBA free agency opens up, and the Wolves are going to be an interesting. There's going to be trade rumors. There's going to be oh, it's a great rumors. time. Yeah, it's fun for the league. Uh, so if if you guys have thoughts on what you want to see the Wolves do, six five one six four six eight two five five. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Get it to you, baby! On 1500 ESPN. 
This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime! On 1500 ESPN. Join past and present NHL players for a day of golf at the 2018 Minnesota NHL Alumni Classic. This year, the event is taking place Monday, July 16th at White Eagle Golf Club in Hudson. In addition to a round of golf, each registration includes on-course food and beverages, dinner, player gifts, and more for all the details. And to register, head to 1500ASPN.com, keyword events. Reckless speculation! Uh, this, yeah, this, this is good fodder here. This is a little, little sprinkling of reckless wolf speculation from Britt Robs and the Athletic. Six realistic free agent targets. Just a couple more thoughts on this here. Because his list was Wayne Ellington, Tyreek Evans, Will Barton uh, from Denver, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, Avery Bradley, and Joe Harris. And I just wonder with Joe Harris, if you've got this $8 million mid-level exception, and I don't know exactly, there's, it's kind of complicated how that divvies up and how it works. And Yes. Is it possible? Luxury tax, all that and stuff. Doogie, if you're listening and you know more about the cap than I do, maybe you could just text me a yes or a no. If, if you could get Joe Harris, let's say Joe Harris, who made a million and a half last year in Brooklyn, and didn't do enough. Like, he's a good three-point shooter and showed some promise as a wing player, but didn't do enough to warrant $8 million a year. In today's NBA, maybe it's like three to four million dollars a year, something like that, for for Joe Harris. Could you get Joe Harris and Wayne Ellington? Could would Wayne would Wayne Ellington or is somebody going to give Wayne Ellington seven or eight million dollars a year? It all, uh, it all just kind of depends. His three point shooting is just it's more expensive than it's ever been before. Look how much JJ Redick signed for with the Sixers last year twenty million dollars. Yes. So if if you did that, the issue would become: Would you be would ownership be willing to exceed the luxury tax, which would be substantial my guess is no but i think i think your bigger problem is this i think your bigger problem for the majority of guys on this list is is your sales pitch i really do i think you're going to go to them and say we see we envision this and i think they're going to say but tibbs history doesn't say he does this tom i mean you tom's going to sit them down and tell them about you know all his hopes and dreams and you're going to come off the bench and you're going to play this much and i think they're going to say but tom you play your starters that's all and and to think that that Tibbs is going to change until I see a full season of Tibbs making changes in in the way he approaches things, I don't believe it, and I don't think these guys are. Yeah. There, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything in his history as a coach to suggest that he is going to transform himself and say, you know what, for all of these years, I've been using Butler too much, and so what I really need to do is cut down, which which you could do, and which might make per- perfect sense. So. I don't think it's so much of a financial crunch, although that could come into play, as it is the the conundrum of having a coach who the perception, correctly so, is yeah. he's going to not let his starters off the floor. So you've got a you've got a coach who actively limits the pool of players that would be willing to come play. Don't here. you think? And you've got a guy about to go into a max contract that actively makes your team worse, and you're passing up on players because that position is not available. Like here's an, here's another comparison: Will Barton. Okay, now I get it. Will Barton is six foot five, six foot six. Andrew Wiggins is taller, lankier, so there is value in just having some size out there. If you went with a point guard and then Jimmy Butler and then another sort of shooting guard, six foot five, six foot six size, you'd be you'd be undersized at those three positions collectively. However, Will Barton, who is 27 years old, has a better shooting percentage, better three-point field goal percentage, 
far better free throw percentage. He's just a far more efficient offensive players. He averages more rebounds and more assists per game than Andrew Wiggins and plays a handful fewer minutes per game, despite all those things. He's a better player than Andrew Wiggins is for a lot less money. A lot less money. You're not paying $25 million for that. Is there any scenario, and the answer is probably no because of how much he's going to be paid starting uh, next year, but is there any scenario under which... Even if you get into the season and and Andrew is struggling again or not playing up to his potential, that you do start to bring him off the bench for at least a period of time. I think the answer is no. But if but if you were to remove the salary and and the the play kept up as it was in 2017 18, there's a case to be made to do it. I think the salary precludes you from thinking about it. I think the salary. I think the salary almost necessitates that you keep running him out there to try and get extra, just in hopes that what has to happen, the best case scenario for this franchise wouldn't be that they trade him for 50 cents on the dollar just to get out from under the contract. The best case scenario would be they find the right assistant coach or he finds the right motivation through the TNT crew ripping him for a week and a half during that playoff series. And he all of a sudden starts to find just another level to his offensive game and and stops taking so many bad shots and goes up a notch defensively, that, that he finally looks around the room and looks at his social media comments and listens to the Reggie Miller. Like Reggie Miller attacked All him on a broadcast and said, dude, you got to wake up. This is the playoffs, that he internalizes Everything that. Everything we've both been told is he doesn't do that. It doesn't phase him. He almost doesn't care. That that Towns hears everybody and, and, and that, that all of the criticism Towns got during the playoffs he heard and will probably address and think about and work on yeah and everything we've been told from people that who know are Andrew it doesn't phase him one bit Mm -hmm. he doesn't hear anything he doesn't read he doesn't he does not I don't want to say he doesn't care about basketball but he doesn't care about what people say and and when you're getting ripped by Barkley and and some pretty good basketball people it probably is not a bad idea to at least hear that don't you want to some degree I don't I don't want rabbit ears players. I don't want guys who are just obsessed with going to their mentions and seeing the criticism and Googling their name every five minutes. But on some level, if a guy needs to hear it, I want him to hear it, right? I want, like, there, there's a lot of great players. You know, when Kobe Bryant airballed his first NBA shot and he heard people booing and he was motivated to never, ever be embarrassed like that on a basketball court ever again, right? Like, there's a certain there's a certain tipping point of you don't want your guys to be overwhelmed by criticism and what people think, but you want them to wake up, and you want them to... If, if Reggie Miller and Shaq, and it was more Shaq and Barkley ripping Carl Anthony Towns, but if a Hall of Fame wing player, right, Reggie they, Miller, yeah. is ripping you on national television, yep. that should matter, especially if he's ripping the fact that you don't seemingly care in the biggest game of your life against the Houston Rockets in the playoffs. I think the difference is this. I think if you're if you're the type of player who seeks it out, so you try and find what what people are writing or saying about you, that becomes a problem. But damn it, if it smacks you right in the face, you should say, "Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. People might be right." And and people are trying to smack Andrew consistently in the face and say, "Look at your talent. What are you doing?" And I think I will always go back to standing uh, at his locker during, I forget which game it was, 
after he played it. I think it was the Golden State game here that that they won. And I'll always go back to standing there and hearing him say, "I just love my shot." He's a, he's a zombie. Like that's dude. like, yeah. but it's like, wake up, man! You're you're not hearing anything. I just love my shot. And and he sort of laughed and knew, you know, that was great. We they they won that day and. Don't you? Aren't you processing that you're about to be a max player? Yeah, and you are considered, if not a bust, you are considered a disappointment. And the sad thing is, Phil, I just think the coach is all wrong. I think the coach. I think if you are ever going to, if if Wiggins is ever going to take that step, and you're ever going to get to that day where you're like, oh, the light bulb finally went off, and this is, it's not Tibbs. I think he, a coach like Tibbs, to me, Andrew tunes him out. Yeah, and doesn't hear it. And but there's got to be there's got to be an assistant. Is there a Ryan Saunders? Because I'm again I'm just going through his his shots from last year. This is a dude who shot from from 16 feet and out. So from mid range all the way back behind the three point line. This dude shot 32 percent, unplayably bad wow. from that range, yeah. and still and still hoisted on average eight of those shots every night. So how is it that no one in his life, no one on the bench, no one from from Tom Thibodeau all the way down the line of assistants, how is it that no one can make him understand this shot for you is you like you should not shoot it ever unless you get better at it. And at the very most, you should take the three or four wide open looks that you get and that's it. It should never be eight of them at that percentage. How is that not? An internalized thing for him at this point in his career because you're mind boggling. You're you're attempting to apply the common sense of, of what he should hear with the guy who said in the course of of the season, what you're talking about. I love my shot. I just love my shot, dude. Man, it's just all good. Well, well no, it's you, really not. You know what? If you but, keep practicing with that basketball you bought at Target the other day, I pretty soon you'll be able to shoot 32 percent from the same range. It's an official ball too. Did you go out yesterday in practice? I couldn't. A little day of rest. I went to both Twins games. Well, you chose to go to both. You, you chose to take a day off well, from your basketball to... practice. Okay. Well, it's a work in progress. I can't be grinding every day. My arm is actually sore right now from from my uh, foray into shooting a couple days ago. I think I got a bad rotator cuff. Well, that's because you're throwing a basketball like a I think I watermelon a at the backboard. I think it's a bad rotator cuff. <laughs> I think I might need surgery here pretty soon. Would it be hilarious if Judd tore his rotator cuff doing the Houston Rockets challenge? No, that wouldn't be hilarious. <laughs> Not to Judd, it wouldn't. Uh, all right, Vikings OTAs are going on, and uh, we have a couple stories on 1500ESPN.com. And Judd's going to help us through a game of, is it a real off-season story of substance, or is it just fluff to get us to training camp? What's substance and what's not? TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500 ESPN.